0: Does that song just get you guys going. I love that song. <laughs> love that song so much. Y'all may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Dylan. I'm the high school director here at New City and um, so excited to get to be here with you this morning and share God's word, and um, yeah, I'm very excited. So, uh, just a little bit. I know I know some of you, but I don't know all of you, and so just want to take a couple minutes to uh, get to know for you to get to know me. Um, so, uh, my wife and I, Molly, we're from Indiana. And we've been here in Charlotte for about six years now. And, uh, man, Charlotte feels like home. We love it, and it's been such a great place for us to be. Um, I love sports. I'm a big sports fan, Um, but I just want to clarify, because I'm from Indiana, does not make me an Indiana fan. I I am a Purdue fan, okay? There's a really big difference. So, yeah, I, I love Purdue sports, all Purdue sports. I watched Drew Brees when he played there, uh, which was incredible. A big Colts fan, um, and yeah, just any anything has to do with sports, I'm all about it. Um, I also love stories. I, I love huge, expansive worlds you can explore and get lost in, like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, which... I'm really hoping that, you know, this new series is going to be really good. I think it's off to a good start. Um, uh, Harry Potter, Marvel, DC, anything like that, I mean, I am all about it. Um, This coming year is a a big year for my family, for Molly and I. Uh, The biggest and most exciting news is we're expecting our first child, and we are, yes. Baby, baby boy is coming in November and we are just beyond thrilled and excited to be parents and uh, can't wait for that, so pray for us. (laughs) Um, Since uh, moving down here to Charlotte, uh, I've been working on my degree at Gordon-Conwell and it's also a big year because I, I, Lord willing, will graduate in May. (laughs) And it's been, at times it's like, man, is this ever gonna end? Um, But there's light at the end of the tunnel and it is coming. And I keep telling our current high school seniors, like, man, we're going to celebrate so much this year. You you guys graduate, I'm graduating. We're just going to have a big party. It's going to be incredible. Um, But speaking of students, uh, if you don't know, we have the best students here at uh, new city they're incredible it's my honor and privilege to get to lead and serve them and i just love them so much and if you're in high school and not a part of the ministry like we would love for you to be a part of it and uh it's a really good plug we we start next week next week um september 11th we're going to meet at the city co-op in matthews so this morning we're going to be uh, walking through um, some of John chapter six. Now, I, I love this passage. It's a really long passage, and we can't get into all of it, unfortunately. Um, but what I love about it, you know, Chris asked me to preach a few months ago, and immediately I'm like, "This is the passage. This this is what I want to preach on." And it's so cool to see how, as we've been walking through the last few weeks, this series on what it means to find and follow Jesus, as I've been studying and planning and prepping, I'm like, "Man, I think." This passage is, has that themed all, all in it. What does it mean to find Jesus, and what does he have in mind when he calls us to follow him? So we're going to start in um, John chapter 6, verse 22, and I'm going to read it. Would you stand with me while I read the passage for us this morning? The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken only one boat. And they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberius landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Word of God to you today. You may be seated. So there's a lot going on even in this, these 12 or 13 verses. Um, so we're going to kind of break it down into four main sections, and, and they're titled Seeking, Seeking, um, finding, revealing, and following. So let's start out with uh, the first part, seeking, verses 23 to 24. So we're jumping in partway through the story here. So it's on the next day is how this starts. And Jesus, uh, you know, the day before was the feeding of the 5,000. And thousands and thousands of thousands of people came and Jesus fed them. It's a great story of Jesus' heart and his compassion and his generosity Um, but the crowds, they they see this, and they try to make Jesus king, and and Jesus is like, this this is not the way. Um, Not like the Mandalorians. Like, this is not the way, and so Jesus flees to the mountains, and uh, the people are left wondering where he is, and the disciples leave to go to Capernaum, and then we have the incredible story of Jesus meeting the disciples uh, by walking on the water, and then they, they get to Capernaum on the other side. But the, the crowds are left on the other side, and they're asking, where'd Jesus go? Where, where is he? Where, where'd he go? And they, so they begin their investigation. They realize he's not there. They hopped in their boats, and then they head to the other side. So these boats, though, are carrying so much more than just the people, they're, they're carrying with them the, the longings and the questions and the hopes and the desires that these people had. And, and they see Jesus and they see this. He's, he's more than just a man. Like we saw what he did yesterday. Who, who is this guy really? We want to know. We want to find out who he is. And they have all of these questions and, and desires and longings packed up with them. And they set sail for Jesus. And they're asking, can he truly make life better? Can he make my life better? Have you ever been in a boat like this before? At some point, I think we've all been in a boat like this, wondering who Jesus is. Maybe somebody told us about Jesus, a neighbor or a trusted friend. They invited us to come and and to hear more you were drawn by curiosity or, or your interest was, was piqued um, as you learned about him. So you, you got in the boat or maybe some of us in here today are like, I'm not sure if I want to get in the boat or I'm, uh, you know, trying to figure out who Jesus is, but I'm not sure if I, if I want to start that journey. But the most, in question, most important question that any of us can ask is who is Jesus and how does the answer to that question impact my life? Whether it's us in the boat or the crowd in the boat in our story this morning, the question being asked, who is Jesus and what does he offer? And the answer to that question is so much more than we could ask or imagine. So let's jump back into the story. The crowds are in the boats, they reach the other side of the sea, and they finally find Jesus, which brings us to the second movement of our story. Uh, Starting in verse 25, it says, they found him on the other side of the lake, They did it they got to jesus they found him but they quickly learned that the encounter that they were having with jesus today was very different than the one that they had yesterday the crowds found jesus he's literally standing right in front of them but the irony is they haven't found him at all they've completely missed who jesus is i grew up going to uh, the same church my entire life um, I, I knew the stories. I could cite verses of Scripture. I went uh, to camps and on retreats, and, um, but I had no idea what it meant to follow Jesus until what I knew in my head started making the, the long journey down into my heart. I had Jesus all around me. He was right in front of me, but um, he wasn't in me. And the, the truth is we can live in a world and a culture where Jesus is all around us, um, it's, uh, it's filled with Jesus, but we ourselves are not filled with Jesus. This is something I've, I've had to learn and work through as I've uh, been working through seminary the last six years. Jesus is literally everywhere in seminary, which is a good thing because if he's not, then it's probably not a very good seminary. Um, but the, he's the focus of everything. But even so, the reality is I could have walked in there and learned and learned and learned and learned and get my degree and be the exact same person as I was when I started. Or there were times when reading scripture became an assignment or it was just another thing to do to, to check off of the list um, and if this knowledge and understanding hadn't translated to my heart then r- no real transformation would have taken place and thankfully the lord helped me work through that and um, you know I, my, my experience has been very different and i'm very grateful for that but are there ways where we do the same have we called Jesus teacher, but yet not actually followed his ways? Do we call him Lord, but there's someone or something else that is ruling over our lives? Maybe we've grown up in church our whole lives, or we have uh, go to church every week, or do devotions every day, but we can do these things and still miss the heart of Jesus. Just because he's all around us doesn't mean we've truly understood him. Like the crowds, just because he's standing right in front of us doesn't mean that we've actually found him. But it's on this journey that when we truly find Jesus, or maybe it's better said that when Jesus finds us. Back to the story. Jesus uh, doesn't answer their question. Um, Instead, he sees what's really going on here and what, what they're really seeking after him for, and he calls them out on their motives. And he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. When the crowds finally stand in front of him, they're also confronted by his truth. Because when we find Jesus, we find truth. We cannot stand in the presence of God and not be exposed by the light of his truth. We can't hide from him, we can't deceive him with what's going on in our hearts. Jesus' response cuts straight to their motives. When they confront Jesus, he confronts them right back. Um, And he says, you're mad that I left you? How do you think I feel right now for what you wanted to come here just for the food that I can give you? You're not here because of me, but only what you can get from me. They saw the miraculous sign that he did yesterday, but they were so fixated on how it benefited them, and they failed to understand how the sign was all about Jesus, it's easy for us to, to make fun of the crowds and be like, man, how did they, they not get it? How do they not see it? But if we're honest, I think this is something that all of humanity has struggled with. St. Augustine in the fourth century comments on this and he says, Jesus is usually sought after for something else, but not for his own sake. Commentator Matthew Henry says that many follow Christ for loaves, but not for love. This is a classic example of falling in love with the gift uh, rather than the, the giver of the gift. What is it that, that motivates us to follow after Jesus? Uh, how many times growing up did you pray, pray the prayer uh, or, or made this promise, God, if, if only you would let this girl talk to me, or if, if I could get an A on this test, or if you would give me this job, then I promise I will pray. I promise I I will never do this again, or you you fill in the blank. But have we ever been more fixated on what we get from Jesus rather than Jesus himself. I'm not saying that our motives are always like this. There can be seasons of life, sweet seasons of life, where it's so easy and so natural, like um, the disciple Mary, who's just sitting at Jesus' feet and and soaking up everything he says and genuinely wants to be with him. But man, this is convicting for me. We can also be like the disciples, James and John. And, and we're, we're using Jesus because we want to make ourselves feel more superior or, or more um, important than others around us. Or using Jesus as a pedestal for, for my own ambition and, and my own pride. Or we can be like the crowd and they just want another meal from Jesus. Or they use Jesus for their own agenda and try to make him king. Or do we only come to Jesus when troubles in life show up or when the need arises? Jesus is here and he offers so much more. When we find Jesus, we find truth. But Jesus knows everything going on in our minds, in our hearts, what we fear, what we struggle with, what we hope for, the messy mix of our motivations and desires. He sees it all for you and for me, but he doesn't go anywhere. Just like in the story, doesn't scare him away. And notice this Jesus calls out the crowd's motives, but he doesn't condemn the crowd for their motives. He calls them out, but he also calls them up. He takes whatever motives we bring and he redirects them to something higher and better and greater. And this moves us into the, the next movement of our story of revealing, starting in verse 20, uh, or middle of verse 27. Jesus says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. In this movement of the story, Jesus reveals to the crowd what their true desires really are. He speaks with commands here to reinforce what he's trying to say. He's like, don't, do not seek, which is only going to lead to death, but do seek with all of your heart, that which leads to eternal life. There are things we think we want or need, um, but in the end, (laughs) they're not gonna give us what we want. Um, They're not going to last. We will always be left hungry again. Commentator F.F. Bruce says it this way. Though this desire is misdirected, the crowd's desire, Jesus takes their motive anyway and aims at higher, saying, do you want a delicious and permanently satisfying meal? Let me tell you where you can get it. The person, the human person, knows deep down inside oneself that the food that gives us this earthly life is not lastingly satisfying. We long for a deeper quality of life. We long for a deeper quality of life. Would you agree with that? Do you feel the longing and exp- the, the desire to experience something that's truly fulfilling? That, that we were made for something so much more. This is gonna sound super shallow. I, I love technology. Um, I love in our home having smart home things and gadgets and um, video games and getting something new like that. And um, all too often I'm quick to believe the lie that I mean, something new like this is, is gonna give me the quality of life that I want. Man, this is what I need. Or there's something new that's out there that I, I need to get. I've wanted a Roomba for the longest time. <laughs> and I finally got one a few weeks ago. And man, that thing is so cool, um, but it hasn't changed my life. And it's already old news and I'm already like, what's, what's next? You know, what can I get next? We love our, our new toys and we open them up on Christmas morning. But like all things, they lose their luster. Um, you know, they're going to be replaced by, by uh, the next newer and better thing. You know, for other, others of us, it might be, you know, the need to make the next sale or moving to the right neighborhood or getting the next car. We look for something that will satisfy us, this deep hunger that we have in us, but we look in the wrong places. Jesus here calls this deeper life for them to seek eternal life, salvation, life forever with God. Jesus also describes this, this deeper quality of life elsewhere, the, the abundant life. One of my favorite verses is John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. This is what he came to give. Jesus reveals to us what we truly are looking for, this, this abundant life, fullness of life that's not lacking. Deep down, this is what we want, and this is what Jesus offers into the crowd, into us, Jesus says, Spend your energy seeking this out. The last part of this this verse highlights the second thing that Jesus reveals to us in this section. In this, uh, Jesus reveals to the crowd what their true work is supposed to be. Jesus states that this eternal life is given to them by the Son of Man. But how does the crowd respond? They say, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? What should we do? What works do we need to perform? And I guess when you think about who the crowd is, it kind of makes sense because they grew up with the law. And this is all that they knew. Follow the law. Do what the law says. Don't do what the law says. Don't to do. Their approach and relationship with God became very transactional. And so when they're interacting with Jesus here, it sounds really transactional. Like, okay, well, what do you want us to do, Jesus? And we do that, and then you give us the food that we want, and then we're good to go, right? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm trying to communicate here. He's saying Jesus is trying to move them away from from a, a paradigm that's so fixed on the transaction and moving them to the relational. This is how Jesus answers them. He says, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. I, I used to work at a summer camp um, in the summers in college. And this, you know, it was like such, such great memories at this camp. And um, this is back in the days when I had really long, wavy hair that I was really proud of and Molly was less enthusiastic about. Um, but my first summer there is, is you know, I, it's so vivid to me because it's when I understood the heart of the gospel for the first time. I remember it clear as day. It was, uh, the, the e- it was evening, it was kind of that, the golden hour where everything is kind of lit up by the sun as it's going down, and um, I was heading to uh, a campfire. I was leading a session at a campfire, and I was walking across this field, uh, making my way there, and I, I was frustrated. I was so frustrated because um, I, I was longing for this abundant life. I was longing for, for this this abundant life and I was, I was trying to do all of the right things. I had these high ideals and goals of, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray every single moment of the day. I'm going to meditate on scripture all the time. I'm, I'm trying to be as good as I can be. But I was asking the question, like, what, what do I need to do in order to do it? How do I make that happen? And, uh, you know, I... I multiple times throughout the day, I would forget, or I would get distracted, and my mind would go somewhere else, and I'd realize that I'd messed up, and I would just be like, why can't I do this? Why is this so hard? Is this what it's always going to be like? And this night, as I was heading to the campfire, I was, I was at the, the heights of my frustration and confusion, and I will never forget the undeniable sense of Jesus saying to me in that moment, this is why you need me, Dylan. This is why I went to the cross for you. And I can't fully describe to you in that moment the the amount of of freedom and release that came over my, my heart. It was like a waterfall of grace washing over me as my heart stopped operating out of a place of doing and earning and performing and started living from a place of abiding and receiving. When we find Jesus, we find truth. But when we truly find Jesus, we also find grace. John 1.14 says, Jesus is full of grace and truth. What does it mean to find Jesus? It means to, to experience both his grace and his truth. We can't do or earn what can only be given. We can only receive what is given. And this is why Jesus reveals to them what their true work is. The only work you must do is believe, to trust, to put your faith in Jesus. The eternal, abundant life we're we're called to seek is not performance-based living. It's not religiosity. It's not doing or earning. It's receiving over and over again what can only be given to us through our faith and belief and trust in Jesus. This is the gospel. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make this happen. Jesus lived the life we could not live, died the death we deserve to die. We find the eternal, abundant life Jesus offers only by receiving Jesus' work on our behalf through our faith and belief and trust in Him alone. The last thing Jesus reveals is our true dependence. And this leads us to our final movement of the story titled, Following. And we'll start in verse 32. To truly follow Jesus, we must live fully dependent upon him. So the, the crowds, they ask Jesus to give them another sign. And they, they cite Moses and say, well, you, you fed us one day, but remember what Moses did for our ancestors? He fed them bread every single day for like 40 years. What, what can you do better than that? And Jesus doesn't, doesn't take the bait, obviously. And he says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father did, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What Jesus does here is completely reinterprets their understanding of what, you know, this Old Testament story was. The, the whole purpose of, of the, the wilderness and the manna story in the Old Testament was God's way of teaching and training his people to be dependent on him. They, they just came out of Egypt. They're in this chaos and confusion. What is life now? Who is this God who saved us? And he's like, I'm the one who provides. I'm the one who gives what you need. Take what you need each and every day. Let me give to you. you know, know my goodness. Know my care for you. Um. He's teaching them to—this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus is is trying to teach the disciples the same thing of just as our physical bodies are dependent on food, our souls depend on the true bread from heaven that the Father is offering to the world. And in response to Jesus' reinterpretation in this offer, the crowd says, Sir, give us this bread every day. And Jesus responds to him with the powerful proclamation and promise— I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, the bread your soul needs is me. I'm the source of life, the one who sustains and nourishes your very self. Whoever comes to me hungry will never hunger again. Can you imagine what that would be like? (laughs) To to never be hungry or thirsty again. Again. How many times have you left the Thanksgiving table and saying, I'm never eating again. I can't look at a plate of food again. And, and then you go and you watch football, and then it's halftime, and then you find yourself back in the kitchen making another plate of food. Or is that just me? <laughs> the, the truth here is, if when is, we, uh, we're always gonna be hungry again. And when we, we forget where the source of our abundant life comes from, we're gonna find ourselves back in the kitchen making another plate of food of something that is not going to fill us. If you continue reading this chapter, Jesus uses another term to describe the the depths of the dependence that he's calling us to have. He, He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Eventually, as the story goes on, the, the crowds leave. What started as, as thousands of people in the beginning has dwindled down to Jesus and the twelve because this teaching has been too hard for them. It's only Jesus and the twelve. But what Jesus said here about, about abiding in him drives home the point of what, Jesus is, what it means to, to follow him, what he has in mind when he calls us to follow him. There's no following Jesus without abiding with Jesus. Jesus teaches the same thing, the same life giving dependence elsewhere. In John 15, he uses the image of the vine in the branches and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Only the, the branches that are connected to the vine will bear fruit. Only the, the branches that are, abide in the vine will live. This concept of abiding in Jesus is the perfect way to describe what he's, he says and what he has in mind when he calls us to follow him. It's a daily dependence. We have to remain connected to Him. Only He is the vine that gives life. Only He is the food that satisfies our soul. So what are the vines that we're connected to? Is there, is there any other food that we find ourselves dependent on other than the bread of life? To, to be very honest, this has been the most convicting part of, of the message for me because uh, it's, it's a busy season of life. Ministry is kicking off. I'm, I'm still trying to finish seminary. We have a baby coming, and we're trying to prepare for that. And when he comes, life is only going to get crazier. So when I ask myself, what am I connected to, or what am I drawing my life from, my answer hasn't been Jesus. And so, you know, uh, I, I've, I, <laughs> I can say it's, it's actually watching another episode or three of Survivor, or um watching football or playing another hour of video games or using my, my seminary study time to also be my personal devotional time, which just it never works. And so when I take stock on how am I doing, where is my heart at, and I wonder, why am I so tired? Why do I feel so worn down and overwhelmed? I feel like Bilbo, and too much or too little butter scraped over too much bread. Like why why is my life like that? And it's easy to say, well life's just full. It's busy. I've got a lot going on. But the truth is, I just have too little of the bread of life in my diet. I'm filling my life with things that will never fill me. I I desperately need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. Only he offers what we truly desire. So today, this week, let's seek the bread of life. Let's find the bread of life and rest in his grace and his truth. Let the bread of life reveal to you your true work and satisfy your deepest desire. Let your heart be sustained by the bread of life. Let your soul be fulfilled by the bread of life. Jesus is the only way to eternal, abundant life. Which brings us to our bottom line for this morning. We find abundant life as we follow the bread of life. Whatever we came in here today looking for, whatever we're seeking to find from Jesus, know that he's, he's standing right before us. He, he's right in front of us and he's offering us something so much better and so much greater himself. He alone can satisfy our true hunger and quench our deepest thirst. Only he gives eternal, abundant life that we truly long for. And all we need to do is believe him, receive him, and abide in him. To God alone be the glory today. Jesus, I pray that you would teach us what this abiding life looks like. And Lord, whatever it is that is, is uh, tempting us or calling us away to, to find life somewhere else, to, um, to be sustained by something else, to, to be connected to anything other than you, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would um, take that away. Reveal to us how our deepest desire, our truest need is, is met only in you. Would you teach us to abide? Would you teach us to seek you and, and seek you just for yourself? Not what you can give to us, but Lord, knowing that living connected to you and abiding in you is, is what we truly want. We pray this in your name. Amen. Where did the, here we go. So I was super excited when I found out that getting to do this sermon today was also on the first Sunday of the month, and we get to do communion. Because I don't think, you know, talking about the bread of life and, and all the things that, that the disciples, you know, heard Jesus teach and witnessed him talk about, it's hard for him to, you know, to imagine, uh, you know, the night that Jesus was betrayed, his last meal with the disciples, when he says, um, "This is this is my body," and and what would be going through the disciples' mind? What are they thinking about? And I, I think they probably you know go back to to you know his teaching here, um, but as we, we come to the table today, and we remember the the sacrifice and the life that Jesus gave to us, his death his resurrection, let us also remember the promise that he makes when he says, whoever comes to me, the bread of life will never be hungry again and will never thirst again. Uh, Just just a couple of instructions. (laughs) Um, We have four stations up here in the front and we'll have hosts come down and release you by row. and you know, you, you'll take your, your bread and dip it. Uh, don't, drink from, don't drink from the, the cup. <laughs> Just dip, and if you lose it, grab another one and, and dip again. Um, but yeah, everything is gluten-free, and, and the table is open. If you are a follower of Jesus, but you don't belong to New City, that's OK. This table is open for people who follow Jesus. And if you're if you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, or you're not your heart's not in a place to receive Jesus, then that's okay too. But you can still come, and just just make a, a cross your arms and let us know that you're not here to, to receive the elements, but you want to receive a blessing, and we would love to still bless you. Um, let's just just take a moment here. Um, I'll bring us into to starting community in a, mo- uh, a moment, but. Let's take a moment to, to reflect, to pray, what, what is my life connected to? What am I dependent on? What, what source of food is my life drawing from? And let's lay those aside and come to the table to receive Jesus, the bread of life, and receive his promise that he will truly satisfy us. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Drink this, and as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. This is the table of God for the people of God. Amen. Hey, thank you all for joining us this morning. If it is your first time, we would love to meet you. Um, you can go out to Connection Point in the courtyard. We would love to give you a gift, get to know you a little bit more. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we have uh, some Connect cards on the seat back around you. You can write a prayer or you can come to the front and, and be prayed with um, if you would like. And you know, one last way that we respond in worship is through giving. And so if you would like to give, you can go to newcity.us slash give, or um, we have some, some drop boxes out in the lobbies that you can drop an offering in as well. And one last note is this coming Thursday, we have renewal night, and it's at 630. And i is it here or Matthews? Matthews. Matthews. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. It's on the screen. It's at Matthews, 6.30 on Thursday, renewal night. We would love to have you there with us. If you would uh, extend your hands to receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, New City. Have a great week.